Awesome. I am recording right now. Welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director with Jacob Alexander Ferg. I'm sitting here with Paulette Harris. Paulette, how are you doing? I am doing just fantastic and happy to be here. Yeah, you just got back from New York. Just got off the road, drove uh, however miles. It took me six hours, 45 minutes from New York City where I was directing a play off off Broadway. I'm waiting for that Broadway show, but in the meantime, off Broadway <laughs> show. And I'm driving about an hour away. My alarm goes off. You have a podcast. I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> so I haven't even been home yet. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really I appreciate was, it. I'm excited about it. I, re- I think what you're doing is fantastic. And no one takes the time to talk to artistic directors and listen to us kind of not so much vent, but offer an opportunity about our experience. It's, 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 everyone has their different. Mine is very non-traditional. So it's, it's, it's wonderful. I'm excited yeah, to be here. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Up, you're saying things that are right up my house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Paula, for the listener who's not familiar with you, can you give a history of yourself in the theater world that led you to being the artistic director of the Paul Robinson Theater? Yes. So right around 19, I say 86, 87-ish, 80s, late 87s. Um, I just finished college at Buffalo State College. I didn't graduate at the time. I just finished Pleasant Sorority. But I was doing a lot of reading on my own in terms of African American history. And at the time, I was reading a lot of literature um, about Langston Hughes because mm-hmm. I just wanted to know more. So I was reading his autobiography, and it was called The Big C, The Big C, and fell in love with it. And said, oh, I got to read the next one. His next one, part two to that was I Wonder As I Wander. Then I was really immersed. I said, oh, this is fantastic. Because in the book, talked a lot about Harlem and New York and the Renaissance. I was like, oh, my gosh. These are people. Why didn't I get this in school? So it is what it is. So in the midst of that, I picked up one of his poetry books. I was reading his poetry. And so at this point, I was sold. I saw in our magazine, which is our weekly newspaper, entertainment magazine, Gusto, and there was a listing in there of some theater, Paul Robeson Theater, bringing in a gentleman to do some of uh, Langston Hughes' work. So I was like, well, this is fantastic. So I went. So it was downtown at the theater, and I walked in, went by myself. I was like, oh, this is really cool. I said, okay, I feel, I'm feeling it. And I've always liked entertainment, too. So went in, fell in love with just the process and everything that was happening. Saw some young ushers. At the time, a gentleman by the name of Roosevelt Tidwell was there. And, you know, I was like, oh, he's a handsome young man. So I went up to him. I said, well, how did you get involved? And he explained to me that the theater offered drama classes for adults. And they met every Saturday. Uh, registration fee was $10 a month, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And it was classes open everyone. So he invited me. I came the next Saturday and fell in love with it. I, it was right in my community. Didn't even know about it. Right in the community. And one thing led to the next. That started my involvement. I always liked live entertainment. So this really, really helped. And I said, well, okay, how can I do this as much as I can and see as many shows for free? And I became an usher. They saw me coming to classes a lot, and mm-hmm. then I became an usher. Yeah. And it just goes on and on from there. Yeah, yeah, that's a way that I've commonly seen people kind of sneak into oh, a theater. It's yeah. like, oh, volunteer. And that's a great way also to just volunteer. help the, like, the theater community in general. Yes, yes. It was a need, and at the time, the, the drama students were involved, and I felt that um, 
I enjoyed what I was doing and I want to continue to get involved. It kept me busy. It gave me something to do. It gave me something um, concrete, you know, something where I actually learned and I enjoyed it. Acting wasn't what else, wasn't what interested me. I like the other side of the technical aspect, and I hate to say it, but I like the, the authority and the power that came with it. I'm up. Yeah. I like organization. You're wearing a shirt that says, "But what I really <laughs> want to do is direct." <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, so. So anyways, so I started as an usher, and then they were like, okay, she's going to be here. We can't get rid of her. We might as well put her to use. So from that, they said, uh, you want to learn lights? I'm like, sure. Mm-hmm. I learned lights. And then did lights for a while. You want to learn how to do costumes? Sure. I was always, yes. Yeah. You're going you gonna to show me something? Yes. I'll take it. Yeah. And it was free. It was a free education. And it was all under, it was passion driven. And I still have that same passion today. One thing led to the next. So I've been able to practically work every job. And I guess the thing that I enjoy most is building the sets. Because we had a wonderful set director at the time, um, Carrie Sanders. He now does stuff on films. And I learned so much from him. And picking up tools was not a problem for me. So, um, you know, one thing leads, leads to the next. And then years later, um, I'm an artistic director. But the beauty of it is I've had an opportunity to do all of those jobs. So if somebody tell me they can't do it, then I can say, yeah. well, yeah. I did it. And I can show you how it works. You may have your way. I have my way. But I've been through it. And I can show you what works for me. You can show me how you would like to do it. But I can, you know offer some assistance and avoiding, you know, um, in troubleshooting, I should say. So the process has been wonderful. And I'm still learning today. Yeah. Still learning. It's part of the process of life. It's the process of life. You never stop learning. Yeah. So, um, so I like to ask all of my guests uh, a big, ambiguous question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so feel free to answer it in any way, shape, or form that you want. Okay. Uh, but the question is simply, what is your artistic direction? Oh, boy. My artistic direction, the first thing that comes to mind is to be able to connect with people as patrons, as actors, as artisans, as thespians, um, being able to connect and offer um, an interpretation of a piece of living art. To me, that's what theater is, living art. Be able to offer interpretation that can enhance their life that's what artistic director is to me. Yeah. I mean, the paper and the pen, pen pushing and stuff, that's later. But being able to connect, I think, is so important. When I direct a show, one of the things that is first and foremost is to build that ensemble. And once you build that ensemble, people feel um, that you're family and they won't let you down. Mm-hmm. They will feel uh, responsible, more responsible. They become stakeholders in the process. So for me, building that same type of connection with my patrons, it, that's artistic director for me. At the end of our shows, um, we're probably one of the only theaters that do it in Buffalo. Now more people I hear, I hear have picked it up. <laughs> but for years, people would talk about me for doing it, and I didn't care. But what we do is, after our uh, actors take a curtain call, they walk out to this lobby area, and they form a receiving line, yeah. as if you were in a wedding. But it gives them an opportunity to thank the audience for coming. Yeah. And it gives the audience an opportunity 
to tell them how much they hated their character (laughs) (laughs) or how much they loved their character. And trust me, actors love it because how often is it people take a curtain call, they take a bow, and you don't see them no more unless yeah. you see them in the supermarket. Yeah. But the, the opportunity to connect with the actors right away, oh man, it's just powerful. And for me, I'm, I'm in the line too because I want to hear feedback from my audience. Mm-hmm. If they tell me, well, I didn't like that one too much, or oh, that one show you had, I really like that was my favorite. When is that coming back? You know, or the chairs are too hard, or you know, I need to be able to hear that feedback from yeah. them. And that is what's, for me, what artistic directing is, is important. Because theater is a dialogue. I yes, think it is. theater is a dialogue between, it's not just like this blank like no. screen. And that's, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, how, how do you understand the community that you're in so you can engage in that dialogue and then further it for the next time that they come in? Um. Well, because I've listened to them over the years through dialogue, and through box office sales. <laughs> <laughs> you you kind of gauge and you know what they like. And they'll tell you. Our audiences are very vocal. Yeah, nice. We call our theater interactive theater because um, our theater seats 130. It's a very intimate space. And our patrons feel that they're part of the show. So sometimes you may hear them comment as if they had a line in the play. <laughs> I mean, it can work for or against you. Yeah. But... Um, they're very vocal, they communicate really well, and I know that based on my show selection determines what type of audience I get. I, I have, um, if you know, I have uh, a gospel, religious shows, I'll get the bulk of the church community. You know, I have those deep thinkers, I get a little bit of the scholars. So depending on what type of show we have, if it's a social issue, a social theme, I know what type of audience I'm gonna get. And the other side is, um, when I started doing talkbacks on Sundays, which is huge, people like to engage in uh, healthy education conversation. They love the dialogue. They love the exchange with the cast. They love the di- they love the exchange with other theater patrons. And people like to be heard. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes yeah. people are at home, and a lot of seniors they're at home a lot, and they come on Sundays too. To interact with people, you know, mm-hmm. so usually those things kind of let me know what type of shows that I'm looking for. So, yeah. uh, and then you said earlier, uh, I, I love this idea of like when you're creating an ensemble, you are mm. creating a family. Yes, you, it, and it, it's the most powerful shows I've been part of and I've seen. Yeah. I think is because the whole group feels familial. What can you do as a director or an artistic director in order to ensure that that feeling of family is fostered and cultivated? Well, the good thing is we kind of have a really good reputation for that here. And I think a lot of it is because, and I can't take all of the credit, but um, the Paul Robeson Theater is housed in the African American Culture Center. And the agency itself, we have third and fourth generation of families here. That helps a lot, yeah. and a lot of our actors that that have worked here know that. I mean, we can be in rehearsal, and it's going to be a long rehearsal, and we probably order the pizza out in the next room <laughs> and say, "Everybody, guess what? I ordered a pizza." So we're gonna go out there and break bread, and we're gonna sit and we're gonna talk and we're gonna have a good time. Or someone, you know, you know what? Rehearsal's gonna be late. I'm gonna make this salad. Everybody's gonna eat off of it, you know. Or 
go get some cookies or some chip dip or something and everybody's breaking bread and oh you brought some candy oh yeah so you know rehearsals people are bringing food to you know everybody likes to eat food is like <laughs> a common denominator <laughs> right along with music yeah. those are the two things that people have in common and they like to talk about and people love to share so here one of the things to ensure that we always try to create an atmosphere that's inviting and um and fun because a lot of our actors work and when you work during the day and you have to go to rehearsal in the evening you want that to be a oh i'm going to rehearsal thank god i need this i need this to 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 get all of the stress off of me that's what we want we don't want that type of oh no i gotta go to rehearsal you know more stress yeah yeah (laughs) so it's that that breath of fresh air. Yes, I'm going to rehearsal. I know I'm gonna have a great time, so it helps a lot. So this theater has been around for a while. Fifty uh, year anniversary coming up. Yes, that's amazing. Yes, the agency itself is. We got started in 1958, and coincidentally in the basement of a church. So at the agency itself, the African Culture Center, we have drum and dance performing troupe, which was one of the first components of the agency. The Paul Robeson Theater is another component of the African Culture Center, but the theater was founded in 1968, 10 years later. Okay. So yeah, we're we're excited about that. Yeah. So how have you how, how do you push this theater into new realms while still honoring what it was? Well, I think to um, embrace technology. Okay. And embrace embrace change which is difficult in some places because a lot of theater I think for me I have a background as I said I worked in television a local NBC affiliate um, at where I you know video cameras and online web so I was constantly involved in new technologies digital platforms and incorporating uh, some of news content into that so what I try to do is do the same thing here. And part of that is reaching out to the colleges and universities and doing programming or exchange of programming with students to get them involved. If you're not involved with the students, then you kind of, you're cutting off a whole new genre, yeah. a whole new you know type of student and type of potential uh, theater goer mm-hmm. in the future. So you try to stay current. Yeah, you try to stay current as much as possible. We just started. I, I just started um, film workshops. Everyone's in the film now, so there's ways to incorporate theater acting and film together, and that's what we've been doing the last few months, and it's been very successful. We've um, linked up with another gentleman out of Utah. He found me, and was like, "I've got some money. I want to do this for the community." Um, I want to do actor reels and oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. so I put out a note and boy we had um over 40 actors and it's been great awesome. it's for free so wow yeah. so staying current I think wow. is and, and part of that embracing new technologies and embracing change and not yeah. be afraid to change while still keeping you know the integrity of your um, agency's mission alive because yeah. it ha- also should evolve with you. Yeah. What What is the mission right now? I, I read it and I can't recall it off the top of my head. So artistic director on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and you asked me this yeah. as I'm 
coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, it's to nurture the artistic talents of African American artists, and lesbians, playwrights, um, technicians, and give them opportunity to um, exhibit their craft yeah. and to nurture that and to help build it. And sometimes we bring in people from out of town as well. Yeah. I think one of the best ways to do that is to offer classes also. Yes. Um, what type of classes does the theater offer? Okay. So. <laughs> Brace yourself. <laughs> I know. We, we do. We, we have um, adult drama classes. We have adult, uh, we have children, classes for children. We call them performer arts training. And those take place on Saturdays. We also have, well, I, I wouldn't say so much a class, but programming. We call Scratch Night at the Roberson, hmm. and what that is is the last Monday of every month, we invite artists to come in and do whatever type of art. It's almost like spoken word, but it's not just a poetry or spoken word. Yeah. It can be a dancer, a singer, a musician, uh, uh, tap dance. It can be an author that read a book. It can be a little bit of everything. A comedian that want to tell a joke and try some material, um, storyteller. We've had, you name it, we've had it. And they come, exhibit their work in front of a guest, I mean, in front of the audience, and when they finish, they get feedback from the audience. It's $5, and they get feedback. Nice. Where else can you go and sample your work and not really, and a lot of times, and they get really honest feedback. They'll say, well, why did you go that route instead of this route? Or you may want to expand that. Or I didn't quite understand that, you know? And it's such a wonderful thing. So I really love that. So we have that. We have, um, we did have, this was years ago, I had production classes. Every now and then I'll bring them back where it's more of the hands-on behind the scenes, um, lighting, costuming, set construction, and then um, sound design, engineering. We, I throw those in every every so often, but this is not the season for that now. This is more a season for actors because Buffalo has become, of late, the go-to city for film. So we have a lot of independent filmmakers. Hmm. So with that, you have casting directors looking for talent. Yeah. So now it's about preparing artists, actors, stage actors into film actors so we have more of our energies are focused on acting at this point yeah. and that's part of embracing change and that's part of embracing change and then of course the filmmakers workshops that we have yeah. teaching artists how to be involved in the filming process so that's yeah. again part of the change yeah uh, so as a director mm -hmm. wh how do you describe like, what would you describe as the uh, optimal actor if someone were coming to you what, what are the best things that they can do in order to provide themselves to you and be the best tool that they can be oh gosh what a great question yeah. so after the show closed at in New York City I always try to give advice and these are people that I didn't meet I met them in May and so it was one young man um I was the advice I gave him was because he would like to come up to me, you know, usually before rehearsal. The best advice I can give an actor or artist is do your work, put the work in. If you go to rehearsal one day and you go home, you should be finding the first of all, find out what you're going to work on the next day so that you can do some work. I feel that you, when you come in the next day, you're coming to the director and say, I was working on something. 
uh, I want to give it a shot. I want to give something a try. Are you open for that? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes they'll say, sure. Or they'll say, no, I kind of want to, you got to kind of gauge depending on who you're working with. But for me, if you're going home doing some more research and digging further into the materials that I've given you yeah. and materials that you found to show me that you're building your character from the outside and on the inside, oh my gosh, yeah. that's just fantastic. Yeah, it shows passion. Oh, it, it is. And it also it puts you in another category. You know, it, it, it separates the, the people that are serious from the folks that are just doing it just to pass the time. Mm-hmm. It makes a huge difference. So I told him, I said, always um, have that dialogue with the director. Because a lot of directors want that, I think. Well, I put it like this. I want that feedback. I want to know that you've looked at the research materials that I've provided. I want to know that you've dug even deeper and you found something else. You know, that's what I like. I like the little nuances. Yeah. The little nuances really let you know, okay, they've been doing some work. Yeah. So that's what I like. Put the work in. Those little nuances also, they arise in very specific strange ways on stage during the performance where the audience quite can't put their finger on it, but like that person's really in character right now. Yes, yes, exactly. It's like, did you see how he did that? Oh, wow, that's interesting. Wow. We did a show, I did a show here in a continuum, and one of the characters, one of the actors, it was only a two-woman show, one was from Africa, another one's from America. So, anyways, at the end of the show, when we were in the receiving line, and she was talking to me, they said, "Oh my gosh, you're not from Africa." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, and that was the and that was the one thing that she feared that she was not be able she wasn't going to be able to maintain that dialogue throughout the show. Hmm. And that was the one thing I told her from day one. That is the one thing that you need to do. Yeah. And when you know you've done it, is when the audience will look at you and say, oh my gosh. And so she got that every night. It was like, oh my gosh, you're not from Africa? It was fantastic. But yes, those little nuances are important. Yeah, and then using, yeah, I love the idea of using fear as an engagement tool where it's like, oh, this is the thing I'm, in, I'm afraid of. So I yes. must work on this. Yes. This is what like will propel me forward to be, right. to be convincing to the audience. That's right. Yeah. It's important. So yeah. um, I'm curious, what were aspects of artistic direction that you weren't anticipating when you took on the role? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So, um, I would say on occasion, one of the biggest things is, uh, can be people's personal affairs. Hmm. How you have to you have to be open to embrace their personal problems and sometimes it can spill over into their work and their craft and that's probably the thing that I felt I really surprised and I was happy I was privy to it because they brought it to me and they confided in me enough to do that but I realized that you become invested in that in a sense it's like wow and you look at people like, wow, how could they possibly be directed and they've got all of this going on in their life? So that, um, <laughs> the diva-isms, you know, that artists have, yeah. it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, you know, there's those moments, yeah. um, the interpersonal skills, those things. Um, I think, I mean, as with anything you expected, 
but on different levels. Yeah. I'd say, you know, breaking up arguments or, you know, when those rare things happen, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I think when you're the artistic director, you need to, I, I really like the term cultivate a culture of like lifting each other up. And sometimes those diva moments, like, they go against that. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, and, go ahead. And I'm very, right. And I think the other part is understanding when to put on your hat as an artistic director and when to put it on as a friend. Mm. And I've had to do both hmm. in the same sentence. Yeah. It's like, okay. Hat switch mid I'm telling you, I said, yeah. okay, this is, this is Paulette the person, but this is Paulette the artistic director. Yeah. And they understand. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's like, this is my job that I have to do. And they respect you more for it. Mm-hmm. That you don't allow the friendship to interfere with or jeopardize your role as the no. artistic director. Uh, I know this is so situation to situation, but is are, are there ways that you can approach that situation, like acting as the friend and artistic director? Uh, just like maybe there's another hypothetical theater and there's a problem person that everyone in the theater really likes, but they're being a bit of the diva. Like what advice would you give to that artistic director approaching that Oof. person? Yeah, that's a tough one, I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? It's one of those situations where if it has to be a role play, or present it as a situation, mm. as a situational, or, or as an improv. Yeah. You know, how do you do it without having to directly, you can kind of in, indirectly talk to them or get the message out, especially if it is an improv situation. Yeah. Then everyone's involved. You know what I mean? I know exactly it's, what it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's sticky. It's a tough situation. Yeah, I think it's a fine line in knowing the person of what their... Um, how they handle, mm-hmm. you know, how they resolve, that's important because everybody don't handle things the same yeah. and it can be tricky. Yeah, and that's, I think, one and of the, uh, an important trait to have in our, as an artistic director is approachability. Is yeah. that you need to, everyone in your cast needs to be comfortable approaching right. you with just about anything yeah. because you're yeah. the person, you're the conduit in which the theater flows exactly. through. True. Uh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> that is so true. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. And, and knowing your artist and knowing your staff helps. Yeah. Because if you know them well enough, then you know how to, that you can approach one person one way, another person another way. That helps a lot. Yeah, and that's. Yeah. I think you get those moments when it's like, I made a salad. We're we're gonna be here for a long time. There's gonna be this break point. Like, yeah. let's sit down and like interact with each other, right. not as artists right that's now. We don't it. need to be artists 100. percent That's that's where the breaking bread helps. Yeah. yeah. Because people let their guard down when they're sitting down and sitting around the table, and yeah. it's like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, we sitting here chilling, and it's it just. It, it cools the savage beast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It does. So. Yeah. 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 And that one point of connection, that's just like, the first point of connection always leads to more points of connection, yes. if you allow it. That's true. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's, so I'll just let that idea be. Uh, actually, we're, so we're not quite a half an hour, but uh, we're getting there. Okay. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet in terms of theater, artistic direction, or just the the Paul, Ro- is it Paul Robeson? Paul Robeson. Paul Robeson. Okay, I think at the beginning of the podcast, I said Paul Robinson, and I've pronounced it 
Paul Robeson. Oh, yeah. So I have my... Oh, yeah. Let's... Paul Robeson, yes. Actually, yeah. So, so why is the why is the theater named the Paul Robeson Theater? Because of, because of what he represents and his history. And if you read up about him, and I'm going to leave that to you because that it, it'll be fun to just get some more information on your own, yeah. make you research. Yeah. <laughs> um, everything he represents, I mean, he was a performer at a time when it was... Uh, I mean, he was a scholar. He was athletic. He was one of those people that did it all, yeah. you know, and someone to be proud about. Um, so, yeah, so and, and, uh, we're honored to be named after Paul Robeson. Yeah. Honored, very much so. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then some of the things um, that we do in terms of, like most recently, you know, August Wilson, bringing a lot of his mm -hmm. plays back to the forefront. That's something that I'm looking forward to for this season yeah. and moving forward. So. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I don't really know that much about Paul Robeson. Unfortunately, that's a very unfortunate thing. That's okay. Yeah. So now you're going to go back and you're going to do some research. Yeah, exactly, you know, like, exactly. Wow. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah. Like the whole yeah. theater was named after this person. He has there to be. He has to be incredible in some way, shape, yes. or form. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, hmm. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Or is it okay? Um, you go right ahead. So I, I like asking this question. If you had to give a piece of advice to yourself when you were starting out, knowing what you know now, uh, what would that advice be? The advice would be to find a way to have my own to build equity to have my own organization hmm. and the reason why I say that is because then I can do so much more with it because there are things that I want to do and when you work under someone else you know you can only do so much so to speak yeah but if I had my own building I would love to do so much more because I love I love I love working with students and that yeah. is because their their mind is constantly going yeah, okay. and I love to keep up with them so Everything that I've done has been, like I said, an enjoyable, very enjoyable learning experience. Would I have done anything different? I don't think so. Because I, I, I asked myself, would I have went to the acting side? Um, no. I like exactly what I'm doing. And because I've been doing it so long, almost almost 30 years, I've, um, I've just do it better. Yeah. And, and, I, and I like that. I really do. This is more of like, I guess it's a personal question related to the craft, but mm -hmm. one of the things I've been really interested in is how do you keep that passion and that joy for a prolonged period of time? How, how do you, you're, you're doing this mm -hmm. for 10 years. How do you ensure that year 10, it's not stale anymore? It's like you're, you're just as excited as you were day one. You know what? That's a great question. And my answer, and I know right away what my answer is, Great. because you see it through uh, through new people's eyes. Mm. You see it through new eyes. For instance, I was an adjunct professor at Buffalo State College, and I still work with them and you know do projects. And every now and then I'll get interns. I had a student intern, Corey Grant, and he, uh, he was the type, he just absorbed so much from you. And I love students that just take it, and they take it and run with it. And they have that passion because it's new to them. So you get a chance to look through their eyes again and they kind of help reinvigorate that, you know, that passion that you've always had. Yeah. And I, I love that, seeing it through new eyes. Yeah. 
that is just hmm. I love that it's like you bring in someone and just watching them and the other thing is and what I usually do is I go to every per- performance and I sit in the back yeah. and I watch the audience yeah. oh gosh that is just I can't, I can't sit anywhere else except for in the back oh, during a live performance that is that alone is just amazing yeah. to watch how they interact. We did a show before, and a grown man sat in the theater in the back and cried. He came back five times and cried every time. And I said, why do you keep coming back? He said, because I enjoyed it so much, and I remember and, and how it just, people connect, mm-hmm. you know, the emotional ties and it's, it's powerful. Yeah. It, it's, it's really life-changing yeah. to watch that. So they're, they're part of the show, too. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think a big distinction for the performer that you have to make is the audience yes. at some point needs to stop being uh, a big, ambiguous mass of, right. of random yeah. like things and start being individuals sitting in seats yeah. and you're trying to connect on, yeah. on that individual level. Yeah, and yeah. that's where the conversation for us comes in. You're, you're more than the dollars in your pocket. Yeah. You're the, the vocal. You're the... the uh, the voice of reason to a certain extent. You know, you're that exchange of information, that dialogue that keeps it flowing. You know, that's important. So, so yeah, seeing it through new eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think the theater world is going in the future? Ooh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's another, another big, big yeah, question. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's become very competitive now. Yeah as I mentioned earlier in the age of digital technology where we have so much virtual stuff getting ready to that's happening already and that's going to happen even more so that and film um, and of course you know what we do on our phones it's tough it's tough I think it's going to eventually there's going to be more incorporation a more interdisciplinary style Mm -hmm. of theater where it will engage you more be it through your phones and stuff, yeah. that's where I see it going. Where it's going to be more interactive for the audience, I yeah. think it's going to be something like that. Because that's there's the the classic discussion of like phones make us more connected, but at the same time they disconnect us. Exactly. Yeah. Right. People don't even have conversations. Yeah, I know, right? Like, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, just text me. My nephew one day said, "Auntie, oh, you could just text me." I said, "Uh, hello, no. Yeah. <laughs> I like to hear your voice. Yeah. You know, there's that thing." Yeah, that's. I, I had this amazing experience. Not amazing. Amazing is the word I'll use. But uh, I went downstairs and my little sister was, was with her friends, and there was like four of them, and they were watching a movie, and they were all on their phones as they were watching. The movie. I'm like, what are you doing? I the movie. But you know what though? I find myself doing that. But you know what I'm doing? I like if I watch a movie and I see somebody. Oh wow! Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. IMDb. Yeah. And, and you're looking up, you know, while you're watching the film. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. But there is times to unplug. Yeah, and it, the idea of using your phone to engage with a theater performance is fascinating. That's it's really, yeah, really interesting because yeah. you use it for a second, but then it pulls you back up out out of. That's like, yeah, yeah, that's how to because that's one of the dilemmas right now. It's like, yeah. how do you get? How do you convince an audience member to come to the theater instead of staying at their house and watching Netflix? Because exactly. it's so much easier. To oh do man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Netflix person. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a great video service. It's, it's amazing. fantastic, yeah. fantastic video yeah. service. Yeah. How how do you do that? How how do you how do you bring the community to your theater? Like, 
<sighs> you try to create opportunities for them to make them feel that they're getting more out of it. Uh, we offer coupon night, like a $20 day or something like that. And everybody likes coupons. Yeah. If they think they're getting a deal, we like a coupon. You know, people love to go to coupons. So we create opportunities. We create special events around. We do private parties. Mother's Day, we have a Mother's Day dinner theater package that we've been doing for 22 years. And it's been quite successful. It gets you out on Mother's Day. And most seniors like to go to theater still. No, most of them are going to go to the show. They still like that, you know, three-dimensional entertainment. They come, park their cars, have a meal right in the dance chamber, and then go inside the theater and have a play. You meet people you never meet before, and then you leave. It's, and it's a nice event. It's a nice day. So creating just fun and exciting things yeah. outside of just the show, you know, the talkbacks. Hopefully the uh, video moments that they can, you know, see themselves online. Mm -hmm. So you have to definitely think, and I, I don't like to use the term think outside the box, but you you have to use non-traditional methods yeah. to try to, unfortunately, reel them in. Yeah. <laughs> so. I feel like once you get them in once and they realize yes. it's like, oh, this theater experience, yes. I cannot experience this at home. Exactly. I, there's nowhere else where I can have this right. feeling. Then hopefully they'll, yeah. uh, there'll be a, a repeat. And that's the dialogue. Oh, this is great. I've never been here before. Well, yeah. I hope you come back. You know? Yeah. Let us add you to the mailing list so you can get all the information. So, yeah, come to the so we do get a lot. Yeah, I want to exactly. know. I want to know your perspective, having seen right. two plays before. Right. Yeah. And we do have people that come a couple times to a show. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. So. It's yeah. amazing. All right. Well, I would love to keep talking, but we are kind of running up on time. Um, if people are looking to uh, find the Paul Robinson Theater online, uh, is there anywhere that they can go? To, yes. Yeah. Um, under our webpage, it's um, the African American Culture Center's webpage. It's www.aaccbuffalo.org. Okay. And we are there along with other components. You know, our after school program, our drum and dance performing troupe, and I can keep going on, but yes. Great. Uh, and I like ending my podcast with this. Can you give me a recommendation of one thing, of anything at all? Just a single anything, like a book, a movie, a quote? Way of life, just anything. Give you a recommendation? Yeah, give For give you, me, you uh, or, or to me, or to the world of the podcast listeners. Um, either or. <laughs> I yes, one of my biggest recommendations is happiness is uh, feeding your passion and not your pocket. I love it. <laughs> that's great. Oh my gosh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Paulette, thank you so much for singing. Thank you. That was, thank you. Uh, I feel so energized after all this. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, thank you also, listener, for listening. You can find this on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. And that's how 